Hebrews 12.1 says we are surrounded by witnesses and that we should cast off sin and obstacles that keep us from God. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is Cross Training. Building your faith to not only carry the cross of Christ, but to get up when you fall and run toward the finish line. Faith-filled business leaders and individuals share their testimony to inspire your journey. Now here's your host for Cross Training, David Anderson. You ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes at a radio station or television? Or what it's like to be in a coma for 30 days and have memories from it? I guess is Jeff Blackwell. He is the all-purpose go-to man at Catholic Community Media. He does everything in the house from broadcasting on air to the back room to editing to being the sound engineer to being the electrical engineer. And he's a fascinating man. Gotten to know him pretty well over this course of putting our show together, Cross Training. And you're listening to David Anderson, host of Cross Training. And without further uh, ado, the man who makes this station stay on through storms, tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, and all the evil forces that hate to see Catholic community reach so many people and spread the word. What an introduction there. And I will tell you, our director of mission is Father Christopher Decker. Uh, And you're giving me way too much credit, David. But uh, Father Chris, first of all, he always says, Satan hates Catholic radio. And I think that's uh, why some of the times that we we wonder, we're scratching our heads, you know, why is this computer doing what it's doing? Or why are we having this issue with the transmitter? But uh, no, we do have transmitter engineers and uh, people much smarter than I that uh, take care of keeping us on the air day to day. But as far as the signal leaving the studio and getting to the transmitters, yeah, David Dawson, our uh, president and general manager uh, and myself uh, are, are responsible for that and father chris calls me the director of operations so it's official now but you've also been kind of my mentor in putting this show together and doing the engineering and giving me great guidance on uh, if you notice i opened up with a question mm-hmm. and that was uh through through jeff and he's been in the radio and media business most of his adult life, the young part of his adult life, we share a bond. We both come from local 53, the Insulators Union. His <laughs> dad was a foreman. My dad was a foreman. And uh, we just found that out uh, That's incredible. Today. It really is. We're a small, small world. Uh, the more you peel it back, the smaller it gets. Yeah. But there are a couple of things I really would like to go into today. The death of your daughter. Mm-hmm. Your history in the broadcasting business and seeing how it changed and how you evolved into a Catholic radio station. Yeah. And then the regarding the book you showed me earlier, uh, and I've never, I don't even see you in that light because when we met, you were already healed and back on your uh, feet going dancing on Friday nights. (laughs) Right. Um, So to see this that happened so recently in your life is astounding to me looking at that book because i met you after you've rebounded and you're back on your game yeah and that book is actually pictures that i was hospitalized and it was in may of 2020 and uh, it started off just kind of as a, a, a an unusual thing which i thought was you know like food poisoning or something but while i was in the hospital after I became unconscious, she started taking pictures just to kind of say when I came to, I could see where I'd been. So she had faith you were going to recover. Oh, let me tell you, we will, we're definitely going to get into that. Uh, but as far as being uh, uh, the son of an insulator, um, which uh, you are I as well. I resemble that remark, yes. <laughs> the, uh, the beautiful thing about that is my dad and my parents, wonderful, wonderful people. And I, uh, uh, I've said it on the air before that I won the parent lottery uh, because uh, they were uh, very faith-centered. Uh, very loving and uh, had four children, three boys and a girl with, uh, you know, uh, some interesting stories to share coming up. But dad would uh, he would go to where the work was. He and mom bought a 40 foot trailer 
And if there was a job in California, we'd pack up. Uh, at the time, it was just two of us boys uh, and, and, and go out there. And Dad would work for a few months, and then he'd find the next job, and we'd travel there. So uh, first grade, I was in uh, four different schools. So <laughs> you know, it was pretty active, and we were all over the country. And that's where tradesmen were back in that day until the petrochemical industry really started to build along right. the river, right. which brought all those tradesmen back home, plumbers, electricians, insulators. They were all doing that travel. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, and I think even in the uh, late 30s in Louisiana, there was only about 900 miles total of paved roads. Everything else was a dirt road. So, uh, uh, you know, it was very, very slow about coming. So they would go, uh, my dad, my parents would go to where where the work was. And uh, they were missionary Baptists also. They they were really uh, fervent in their faith. And my mom, you know, we I can remember as a child, you know, started, we started four different churches in different parts of the country from snowflake arizona to uh, baton rouge louisiana and we'd have church in our living room on sunday morning well that'll pull us right into your conversion yeah uh, i since i've known jeff which is uh i guess about six months now mm-hmm. uh, when i approached him and said hey i got this concept for a show and, and i said no you don't but <laughs> and uh, and here we are and, and it's a great show you converted to Catholicism from being raised in this very structured uh, missionary Baptist. Mm-hmm. Fundamental. Fundamentalist. Baptist, yeah. uh, so you got a lot of uh, scripture reading. You knew what the word was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you grew up probably with a uh, negative image of Catholicism. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you said you, your mom at some point, I think in 1990, you said – uh, was it ninety or eighty nine? Actually, and and, and you know, what wound up happening was there was a search for a truth which I couldn't find, and I had I mean I read the Bible uh, from cover to cover, and it just never really sunk in. Of course, I'm not a not a I don't have a theology degree. I'm not a Bible scholar. However. I, I knew that there was something I was searching for, but I didn't know how to go about asking for it. So I, I wound up attending, uh, you know, Baptist, uh, Assembly of God, Church of the Nazarene. I went to interdenominational churches. Uh, my 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 dad's mom, the lady who raised him, uh, four feet eleven and going to heaven. You know, she was a Pentecostal. I, I remember going to church with her and watching her jump pews and run up and down the aisle. You know, fantastic. The Holy Ghost. I, I'd love I, to love see that. some video of that. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, but uh, it was um, it was great. Way I, I had these people in my family that had a, a faith and were leading by example. Uh, as well as they knew, but my mom, I don't know, something changed about her because she was all she she loved the writings of Josephus. She loved history, the theology, as a Baptist. I'm talking about, and she started. Uh, she was challenged by a lady uh, at a meeting. They got together one time, and I can't even remember where the meeting was held. But uh, they started talking about their faith to each other. And uh, then uh, my mom was trying to point out where she was wrong, and this lady, her name was Fanny Ruiz, lived in Baton Rouge, and uh, people remember the Bologna brothers. And she lived, Fanny lived with her sister Mary. Uh, Both of them, I believe, were widowed uh, at that point. But they went to church regularly. So Fanny said, well, look, I'll tell you what, let me uh, get you involved in RCIA where you can learn about the Catholic faith and why we believe what we believe. So that's kind of how it started in 1989. And then uh, we didn't find that. We had no idea. And I'm talking about the kids that mom was even looking at becoming Catholic, but she was she was died in the wool Baptist, you know, and uh, so um, uh, it, it was funny because uh, she said, but if y'all would like to attend, I am going to be brought into the church on Easter of 89. Total, so, total shock to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, it was like um, uh, my sister and I got to talk. It's like, what's going on with mom? And then we realized, well, you know, I've been looking too, and I can't put my finger on it exactly. So I kind of let it go. Uh, that was in 1989. Well, by the uh, it, it, by the fall of 89, I kept I, I just quit going to church. Period, because I couldn't find what I was looking for. 
And um, uh, one day, uh, sitting in the living room, it was a Sunday morning, the sun coming through the window, and the way it just hit the kids who were playing on the floor in front of me, I just felt that that priestly call, if you will, as uh, you know, the, the person for my family that's in charge of the spiritual well-being of my children, the importance of getting them into church. So I called a friend of mine, and I'd stayed away from the Catholic Church because I'd heard so many bad things about Catholics. Um, and, and you know, you know, they worship Mary, they worship statues, and uh, you know, they just they don't even read the Bible. Um, so I called a friend of mine. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get over this and ask him, because I know he's Catholic. And so I started asking him questions. I said, how do I become Catholic or at least find out more information? He said, hold on. I don't have that answer, but I'll, I'll call you back. So sure enough, phone rings. And uh, there he is. He said, look, RCIA starts at our church, Our Lady of Mercy in Baton Rouge, in two weeks. If you'll join up and go, I'll, I'll be your sponsor. I'll go with you. Ed Ball from WBRZ, uh, he, he worked there for 40 years. So we were working. So he must have been a regular church attendee. Yes. To be tuned in like that. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. And Wonderful. His, his entire family, uh, you know, were, were raised Catholic. Um, his sweet mother uh, is over 100 years old now, still alive and, uh, and doing well, loving the Lord. Well, this will be a good time just to take a quick break to say this is David Anderson host of Cross Training, and we're on Catholic Community Media, and we're interviewing the one and only Jeff Blackwell. He's well-known in the industry of television and radio throughout the Baton Rouge and New Orleans markets, and some on a national level as well. And we're talking about Jeff and his conversion to Catholicism, from being a fundamentalist Baptist in his search, his children, and uh, mom converted, and it kind of opened the door to say maybe those guys aren't as as bad as I've thought. <laughs> right. And when you work with a couple guys, and they seem like pretty decent guys. Yeah. Uh, so it opened the opportunity to go to RCIA. Yeah, and on that very first meeting, I'll never forget because uh, Father Cleo Milano was the um, – Oh, um, he, he was like the uh, assistant pastor uh, under Father Mike Maroney at Our Lady of Mercy, and he was leading the class. And when he said, we're not here to convert you, we are here to tell you what we as Catholics believe and why we believe it. And if you choose to accept it, we welcome you with open arms. If not, at least you've learned more about the Catholic faith. And I said, well, you can't ask for more than that. And we still love you. Absolutely, yes. That was one of the toughest lessons. And I still have to, you know, kick myself occasionally. It's like, you can't judge people. You can't judge their souls. You don't know what they're going through. You have to love them and uh, and pray for them and let God do the rest. Part of trusting. Well, I'm really glad that God led you to that uh, conversion and let our paths cross because yeah. uh, you've really become important. Uh, part of my mind, now it's to the point where my wife will say, uh, who's that? Uh, that was Jeff. Okay. Yeah, that was Jeff. That was <laughs> well, Jeff. He's uh, you know, giving me some counsel on how to make our, our program and spread our word a little better and more efficiently and uh, to keep people mildly entertained on a Saturday morning or whenever they... Or hearing our show. Yeah, and, and really when you think about it, and Catholic radio has has been a real tough challenge for me because things that I would do or say or spots that we would put on the air when I worked in secular radio, uh, and I, I used this example uh, before, but I remember a station I worked for, we had, um, and, and it, was, uh, it was a news talk station format, uh, we had a... Um, uh, an older retired veteran um, who uh, his neighbor had actually called for him and uh, was talking about how this guy uh, needed a new roof. And um, so the program director at the station called the man, got in touch with the news director, and then they put it out on there. They interviewed him on the air 
and said this guy needs some help uh he needs a new roof and uh, if any one of our sponsors can help i mean within 15 minutes they had enough people to do all the work the roof the remodeling repainting of his house re, uh, and, and you know like his lawn and it was all volunteer work but uh with with catholic radio it there, there's a difference here because we're uh, more focused on cultivating the soul and and helping you and your witness to evangelize and that's more important than a new roof you know they say in the secular media they talk about the demise of the catholic church um, and certainly there are a lot of reasons for that to happen a lot of attacks on the church from every which way mm -hmm. self uh, brought injuries uh, but yet we still yeah. thrive that's right. And we're still growing. And I'm, I, I, I see it, uh, you know, I'm at Holy Name, mm -hmm. and at the Lo we broadcast out of Loyola most of the times. This right. morning we're broadcasting from the super high-tech studios <laughs> here at uh, Catholic Community Media in Baton Rouge. Well, Loyola's definitely got us beat by a long shot. But, uh. but I see a lot of young people coming into the church in my, in my world. That's I'm at the seminary on Friday mornings. With Father Joe Kraft, we have a group mm. of uh, really great men that meet, and we see all those young men coming into the seminary, and it, they don't seem like they are, uh, I think they have record numbers of people coming in, and they seem to be really, really fine young men. And there's a definite need uh, for priests in all of our communities right now. And I have seen just in my short time as a Catholic, I actually became Catholic um, uh, Easter of 1990. And I uh, uh, was a, a lector this year at uh, the Easter Vigil. And I, I'm, I'm sitting in the pew crying because I'm having these flashbacks of when I came into the, the church 33 years earlier, just how important it was because my children were all baptized. They came in at the same time as their old dad. Now, I gotta tell you, my wife is the one who really gets the credit because Diane, uh, is, she, she was a, a cradle Catholic and um, she prayed fervently for 17 years. And I even remember when we were dating, I said, well, if we're going to get married, you got to become Baptist. Uh, you know, you can't be a Catholic anymore. So, uh, I, see, the Lord works things out <laughs> despite always, the Always, always, always. Right. You don't even know it, but you're going down that path. Yeah. And uh, RCIA was such a rich experience. Um, I mean, there were just things so profound. I'm, I'm, I'm – uh, in, in radio, we call it the driveway moment. When you hear somebody say something that basically you just have to pull over to the side of the road or you're sitting in your driveway, you don't want to get out of the car because you want to keep listening, and your mouth is gaping wide open. It's like, Catholics believe that? I never knew that. And then it, sometimes I, I kind of felt duped, but the, the older I got, the more I realized that there's a misunderstanding um, uh, from other faiths about uh, the c Catholic tradition and history. You know, there's something about RCIA that even cradle Catholics, people that made their communion way back when, mm -hmm. should go through. Because there's a lot of time, it w we seem to take in a lot more now as older folk yes. that we did and when we were in the seventh grade at St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been through it twice. RCIA wow. once with my dad and once for myself wow. and uh, it was beautiful I I would like to take more it's just like going back to school when you're mm -hmm. learning and I guess most of the folks that are trained to teach RCIA are exceptional I happen to have a, a scholarly Jesuit priest mm -hmm. um, and it was it was fantastic yeah. uh, to go through I tell you what's also interesting is because um, out of all in my family, uh, my mom and dad, uh, my mother went to church regularly as a, after becoming Catholic. My dad would attend with her, but uh, he he wasn't Catholic, so uh, uh, he always enjoyed the homilies. He really liked the music. He talked about um, 
uh, and I'm talking about the music that's more uh, chant. There, there, there's Love just it. a difference. Gregorian chants. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I listen to them all the time. And it and and it's all about leading you to the cross where Jesus died for us. Uh, so, uh, so my sister, when she found out I was going to RCIA, said, "Well, I want to go with you." So she found. Uh, in fact, her husband was Catholic, but she wasn't. So he became her sponsor. They they went together, and uh, my wife attended with me every week. Um, and the beautiful uh, uh, end of that, my other two siblings, my brothers, decided, uh, you know, they're happy. They they believe in Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. So uh, that is uh, that's to me what matters most because I know where their heart is. Uh, however, and it was um, oh I want to say I, for, I, I forgot the exact year, but my dad was 81 years old when he went and talked to Father Miles Walsh and said, "Look, I think I'd like to become Catholic." Wow! Yes, he raised, he was raised Pentecostal and uh, of course you know Baptist, but uh, he um, uh, was not uh, very well educated. He was a man of great wisdom. Uh, I love and respect my dad, even uh, his passing. So, eighty-one years old, uh, uh, Father Miles brought him into the church at a noon mass one time, and it was such a beautiful brief uh ceremony but uh dad had communion for the first time and he it, it changed his life he actually he and mom would pray the rosary every night and he passed away when he was 84 my mom died last year at the age of 94 wow. so uh they they loved the lord and uh, it was just beautiful to see that you know who was your dad saying uh, uh, he uh, his his name was John W, but everybody yeah. called him J, J or J W. So well, that's another uh, thing we have in common uh, with our insulated dads. <laughs> right. My father converted late in life as well. Oh, okay. And he no had idea. asked me to be his sponsor. Come on. And I, I was, and I hope they didn't ever invalidate his uh, his confirmation because it turns out that. There was no record of me making a confirmation. Uh, As a sponsor, huh? And so there I was. No record of being confirmed sponsoring my father. Uh, So I had to go back and get it officially done uh, just recently. I was just uh, made the confirmation. Oh, Uh, I went through RCIA with my dad. Yeah. And then 15 years later, 20 years later, uh, I'm going through the diaconate process. And there's uh, no record of me being confirmed. And uh, so I had to go back again, and it was beautiful. I was so glad (laughs) Father Grovenberg at at, at Loyola taught the class and uh, made it official. And uh, the archbishop uh, came and welcomed us into the church just a couple weeks ago. Wow. It was wonderful. It was just wonderful. Uh, Again, this is David Anderson host of Cross Training. We're broadcasting this morning from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in the fabulous studios of Catholic Community Media. Go to the website. If you uh, can spare the change, make a donation. This is a very worthwhile organization that spreads the word of God and Catholicism uh, to everyone that can listen. And there's not a lot of this going on on the radio. A lot of other stuff, but not like this. You're right, and I will tell you this from from a behind-the-scenes standpoint. um, I I stay pretty much focused in my department, what I've got to take care of, whether it's uh, production on air, the the sound on air, um, how people perceive us and hear us, and then uh, the uh, president. In fact, our board, uh, David Dawson, Johnny Abair, and Father Chris Decker, uh, are all we've 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 had very extensive conversations about what we say on the air, what we don't say on the air. We don't get involved in politics. Uh, we don't get very opinionated, except about uh, things that are of our faith and the tradition. And and every penny that is spent here is it's all about evangelizing. You know, trying to go to the next step 
to either get more power or you know make improvements to reach further and um, the old wtix uh, old 690 ticks um, back in its day was 10,000 watts but um, uh, and we reached really uh, literally from uh, beaumont to easily past the panhandle uh, now we're not quite that power at 9100 watts so uh, we definitely cover from just about lafayette but then the majority of our signal goes east all the way down the uh, the gulf coast including the panhandle uh, we've had people from rosemary beach call in if you know where that is yes, in Florida. Of course. Yeah. 30a who doesn't like to go to that area <laughs> right so uh uh you know we we have people uh, that respond regularly from uh like uh, mobile pensacola and um, gochet mississippi uh, so the mississippi alabama florida gulf coast yeah i have been uh driving on the highway um for banking for a while, from Houston to um, mostly further west to Houston, mm-hmm. and I would always it would always be uh, when I would be driving to a meeting over there. So disappointing when I would get off of six ninety when the station would start oh, yeah. to uh, yeah. peter out uh, right past Beaumont yeah. is generally where I would lose it, and then I finally figured out I could go f- get it on my phone on catholiccommunitymedia.com, uh, and I could then listen to it again. 24-7 worldwide. It took me a while to figure <laughs> that out, uh, yeah. that I didn't have to just listen to it. On, and the app the, is free, by the way. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, I've been listening for a long time, so to finally uh, get actually introduced to Jeff. And Jeff, you had a pretty serious... Uh, thing in your life just happened in 2020 right before covid i guess you became uh deathly ill you had went into an actual coma for Mm -hmm. 30 days yeah had some very interesting visions uh that are still with you today yeah uh you also lost a daughter yeah an adult daughter a beautiful picture hangs in your office uh mary ann You've had some down times in your life, and fortunately, I mean, we all do, mm-hmm. you had a very strong faith going through those times. Well, uh, looking back, um, uh, yes, uh, you know, I can say that uh, you know, the Lord was there, Jesus was there, um, and that God you know, definitely got us through it. Um, our, our daughter, Mary Ann, uh, was 33 years old. In fact, she worked for uh, Clear Channel Communications, uh, uh, which then became iHeartMedia, uh, almost 12 years. And uh, she was a producer, and um, uh, she did the overnight news uh, for a couple of the radio stations. And she would uh, help gather news for the news director, so when he came wheeling in at three o'clock in the morning you know she'd already have stories pulled ready for him to uh to prepare for his newscasts um brilliant young woman uh she was never married and uh or had any children um because uh in this day and age sometimes it doesn't quite work in that order uh you know <laughs> some people have children first and then get married uh but uh i, I was very very proud of her and um she was the only one of my uh, our three children that uh, actually went into broadcasting. Uh, she had um, accumulated like 400 sick hours while working for iHeart. Uh, never got sick, working 70 hours a week and wasn't getting paid properly. Uh, so she wound up finding another job. Don't get me wrong. It's a great organization, but corporate-owned radio has really changed the um, – uh, uh, the, the face of broadcasting, and uh, not always for the for the positive. So there's my soapbox. I'm stepping down now. <laughs> so, oh no, no, no! Uh, but uh, so she passed away. Yeah, suddenly. Yeah, what had happened is she. Um, uh, the reason I mentioned her her, her accumulated because she was always well. Uh, she had this accumulated sick time. Um, she finally said, look, I got to go make a living. And uh, uh, she got hired by um, uh, WBRZ uh, to be, be uh, working in their engineering department. 
and she had been there about a month. She loved it, and uh, they loved having her. And then she got pneumonia, of all things, so she wound up in the hospital for about four days, got back to work, uh, was doing good. And a couple of weeks later, um, I got a phone call from her one afternoon. I said, Dad, I'm not feeling well. I, uh, and I'm like, what, what's going on? She said, I got this horrible headache. And I said, okay, well, um, I am about an hour away from you, but I'll make my way uh, to you and see if I can help you in any way. So uh, I said, best thing to do is use a, like a cold rag, put it on your face, take some uh, aspirin or Tylenol. And, um, uh, and then uh, she had the presence of mind to call her older sister who worked about 10 minutes away from where she lived. But she told her older sister, Suzanne, that listen, uh, when you get here, go to the office, because I'm laying on the floor right now, I'm comfortable, but get them to let you in my apartment. And I said, that sounded so odd. So by the time I got there, there was an ambulance outside her apartment, and she was unconscious. Uh, So they got her to the hospital, and uh, we found out later, uh, and it was like a two or three days later, that she had a, uh, a brain bleed. Um, and it was due to uh, a very unusual, rare uh, disease called Moya Moya. And Moya Moya translates, I've been told <laughs> by the doctor, um, it's a Japanese word meaning puff of smoke. And when you look at the MRI, you, uh, we were looking at her brain. As they zoom in on it, it looks like a cloudy area over her brain. But then the more you zoom in, the closer you zoom in, you start realizing there are tens of thousands of these hair-like blood vessels. It's something that happens when the brain is being formed and when she was in the womb. Uh, ironically, that disease normally takes most children by the time they're five or six years old. They don't outlive it. Well, she was 33 when she had this brain bleed, and then they were able to identify what it was. Uh, however, because the amount of uh, blood in the brain, uh, they were hoping that it would drain. Uh, they even talked about, uh, you know, you've probably even heard the stories of uh, where they'll drill a hole through the skull to relieve pressure. Uh, at that point, uh, it was just too far along. So she spent about five days in critical care. Um, we, my wife and I, you know, we had a constant vigil going at her bedside. Uh, she had many friends in the business who came to, to visit. Did she not gain consciousness after that? Never did wow. after uh, she had that event at her uh, house. Um, so um, some people say you know, it was a stroke, or maybe that's what a stroke is, but it was a blood vessel that... Um, it was a particular type of stroke, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was genetic from the beginning and, and y'all we, were blessed to have the extra right 25 years with her. and my wife you know said you know uh, to not know about it all these years and that in itself was a blessing because we would probably uh you know spend nights awake worried sure about okay is it, what's going to happen next um but uh she had just started going back to church at Our Lady of Mercy. She was very in, involved when she was in high school um, and uh, loved the, uh, the the youth ministry over there. And I got to mention uh, Barbara and Don Damadia, uh, just a lovely couple, and they were, they were youth directors at Our Lady of Mercy for a number of years. So, uh, um, you know, she, she had a lot of people who loved her and were, of course, uh, really – surprised at her passing again this is david anderson host of cross training we're talking to jeff blackwell now when you were in a coma for 30 days yeah and you had a vision or you recollect uh what purgatory was like Mm mm-hmm uh, what led up to it was uh, because of COVID, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the the mandates were in place. So even at the radio station, we were only we only had two people here. Um, I had seen my doctor. Now this was in December of uh, 2019. Had a um, 
you know, had a, a physical, everything checked out great. I was doing well. My wife and I uh, started healthier eating patterns. I'd been dropping weight. And uh, I'll never forget, it was um, May of 2020. It was a beautiful May day. And um, uh, we had lunch, left, went directly home. When I got home, and I, I felt fine all the way home, but as soon as I got home, within about a probably 40 minutes of eating, I got deathly ill. I've never felt that sick in my life. And I had the cold sweats. Uh, I, I have never experienced that. I called my doctor, and he said, it sounds like uh, you've got septic food poisoning, which it could take several days for that to let it, let it work itself out. Um, and I couldn't sleep because I was nauseous around the clock 24-7, and there was nothing left to give, so to speak, in my gut. Um, so by the time I, I went to the hospital, uh, I waited six days. I was trying to wait it out because I had two different doctors tell me the same thing. When I got into the hospital, they transferred me to ICU. When I got into the CT scan machine, flat on my back, in the tube, and they're, uh, you know, looking at things. And I, and I yell at the technician, I'm about to throw up. you got to get me out of here because I'm flat on my back. I couldn't sit up. I wound up aspirating stomach bile. When I did, that uh, acid hit my lungs. Uh, the doctors tell me later that it ulcerated the lungs. I wound up having pneumonia, but my heart immediately went into AFib. My kidneys started shutting down. My liver became compromised, and just it was just this cascade of organ failure happening. And it just so happens thanks be to god that the crash cart you know that's that cart at the at the hospital they they use to revive patients who either it could be a heart attack or pass out anyway they started shoving tubes down my throat and uh and that cart was outside of your it room. happened to be right outside the room where the ct scan was being done at that point i passed out and they they told my wife it doesn't look good uh so they transferred me into at that point they didn't know that your bile had just infected your lung with a poison no they 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 didn't they had no fully, idea uh, they were trying to find the cause they knew i was sick and they knew i didn't have anything in my gut except bile they were doing an investigation um long story short it it wound up being a herniated small intestine or small bowel and it wasn't uh, compromised enough to where it would, you know, typically what they do is it becomes uh, infected and they have to cut it out. It wasn't like that. It just uh, it, it was enough to, to cause this constant nausea. Well, all of that stuff happening, I went unconscious and I was uh, unconscious for over a month. Um, so during that month of unconsciousness, Diane would tell David Dawson, the president of Catholic Community Radio, uh, give him a daily report saying that the doctor said this, this is bad, we need to pray for this. And he would spread the word to Catholic Community Radio listeners, and they were lifting me up in prayer. Of course, I had no idea what was going on. And... Twice, they had to call the family to my bedside, ready to pull the plug because I was on life support. And my daughter asked the doctor point blank, what is the best outcome we could expect for my dad? What's the best scenario? And the doctor said that your dad would be a vegetable the rest of his life. God had other plans. So the Holy Spirit kept directing Diane to give it one more day. The doctors would come in and say, it's not getting any better. We've done all we can do. There's nothing wrong with pulling the plug and let nature take its course. And she would say, give it one more day. Give it one more day. And after about four days, I opened my eyes. And then I'll just tell you that when I finally came to, you know, it was another 60 days in the hospital of physical therapy and, and uh, getting back at least well enough to where my wife could take care of me when I got home. However, during my unconsciousness, I had what I referred to as a vision. 
was the most unusual experience I've ever had in my life. And I still haven't gotten over it. And here it is almost three years later. You mean you haven't gotten over it because it was so emotional? It was. It was. Um, it affects you uh, now emotionally? More psychologically. Uh, it, it's It's been positive in, from the standpoint of these. And I had one I won't go into here, but uh, uh, two visions, one of which... Uh, I am totally surrounded in darkness. I mean, pitch black. I can't see anything. I can't tell what's up or down. And I'm walking. There's nothing around me. I don't feel any breeze, no light. Uh, weightlessness? Um, not, no, uh, it, was, it was like I was walking. I, uh, it wasn't weightless. I can't wait to hear more about this. But uh, this is David Anderson host of Cross Training here at Catholic Community Media. And we're talking to Jeff Blackwell about an amazing story of him being uh, out of it in a coma for 30 mm -hmm. days doing COVID and having this uh, vision of where he is uh, in purgatory. And he's going to tell us more about it. Quite a few years ago, probably about 10 years ago, there was a company called Catholic Audio Company that was doing some advertising, and they were looking for audiobook readers. And so I sent them a demo, and they said, oh, great, well, we got some titles we'd like you to read. I, I wound up reading seven titles. Four of them actually were written books written by Pope Benedict, uh, one by uh, Archbishop Chaput, and then one uh, by Pope Francis. So um, one of the books, though, I read was uh, from St. John of the Cross called Dark Night of the Soul. And I'm so glad that I read that book several years ago because when I went through this, what I after came to know as, as a vision to me, I could relate to what St. John of the Cross was talking about related to purgatory. Because at no time did I feel fearful. I felt pain. I could feel hurt. There was a, a I'm sorry to do this to you, but another vision which uh, I was getting tossed about, if you will, and I could feel pain, but I couldn't see. I, uh, everything was just total darkness. And the, the one I want to share with you all is, as I am walking in this pitch black scenario, I see this itty-bitty pinpoint of light, and it's like, wait a minute, there's light. I recognize it. I'm going to start going toward it. And I don't know how long I walked. It seemed like forever because that pinpoint was very, very slow to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you Are you in a state of awareness uh, in your subconscious of temperature? Um, I would say, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Was that's, it cool? That, was it warm? That's fascinating. It was cool. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, yeah. Never thought about that, but uh, I just uh, it just seemed to take forever to get closer and closer and closer to the to the Pitch light. Pitch dark. Yes. One point of light. You can't discern whether it's a mile away mm -hmm. or two blocks away. No, and, and I mean it was a speck. So as I'm going toward the light. Um, uh, it gets bigger and bigger. I still can't make out what it is. And it wasn't until I got within just a matter of feet and I got like within two feet of what turned out to be the best thing I can describe it is a painting of the Blessed Mother. Oh and my. when I realized it was Mother Mary, this coming from an old Baptist, I started, I, I mean, started gushing these praises like, uh, thank you, Mother Mary. I believe in you, Mother Mary. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for interceding for me. Thank you for being, and just this constant, I mean, just from my soul. This is a painting you're looking at. I'm looking at a painting. and What's it, her expression? Her expression is, she is not... Not not a big smile. Like a Mona Lisa? Uh, no, but she's looking down uh, and to the right. Um, uh, she's looking away from me. 
in this painting. And I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it wasn't until about two weeks ago. I have these uh, little LED candles I keep by my bedside because sometimes when I go to bed at night, I'll turn on these little electric candles. Um, one is of um, St. Benedict. Uh, one is of St. Joseph. And the other one is Our Lady of Lourdes. And I have never really looked that closely at that. But here I am uh, one night saying prayers, and I turn on the late, Our Lady of Lords candle, and then I look up, because what, what the really is, is large and in focus is, um, uh, you know, the uh, children at the base looking up at Mother Mary. She's looking down at them, and it was that painting, because it was all white, uh, uh, all I could see was like from the shoulders up to the top of her head, but it was all uh, white headdressing, white robe. And uh, I do recall that. Once I started this from my heart. Gushing you know, evagulation. Yes, yes. It, it was like everything faded to white. And, I, uh, and then that was it. That was it. And I didn't recall this until... Actually, I came to in consciousness um, uh, weeks later. It was probably about three weeks after I came out of unconsciousness. Was it a sense of peace? Oh, absolutely. Yes. That, that's the other thing I want to tell you. Even though I was getting, and one, getting buffeted about, and I felt pain, never did I feel fear. Uh, it was just this overwhelming peace. And even after coming out of unconsciousness, the, the peace that I felt, I'll never forget my, uh, it's, it's a bit of a story. Uh, there was two weeks they sent me to a rehab hospital. I'm using air quotes here, um, which I will leave nameless because I was very poorly treated and uh, I'll even say abused. After being there two weeks, they took me back to the hospital and finally got me stable again. They had a team of doctors, my wife tells me, taking pictures documenting all of the injuries, sores uh, that hadn't been taken care of while I was in that specialty hospital. So I remember hearing, and I couldn't talk because I had a tracheotomy, and, and, I, and the trach was in place and I couldn't speak. But I remember the doctor coming in and telling the nurses, he ain't going nowhere. We're keeping him here. We're going to transfer him over to the physical therapy unit. He's staying with us until he's well enough to go home. And uh, Dr. Marvin Setliff, I, uh, I, I owe my life to that man because he fought for me along with my wife, Diane. Uh, they saw me through to the very end. And then after I get home, you know. You mean the very end of your hospital the stay, hospital your stay. recovery, yes. your end end. <laughs> no, yeah. that hadn't yeah. happened yet. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, Diane, uh, I, I, I try to tell her every day, thank you for saving my life, because she was the only one, due to COVID restrictions and stuff, that could come in and see me, get me home. Even at home, Even you at couldn't home. come, because I'm no. sure people were petrified. Oh, you yes. Yeah, people the were severe case of COVID. Right. And I had never had COVID the whole time I was in the hospital. It wasn't until a year later uh, I wound up getting COVID. But um, uh, Diane, I love you because she's the one who really fought for me, saved my life. And uh, she had to do everything for me when I got home. And you can imagine caring for people who can't care for themselves, bathing, getting back and forth to the bathroom, driving me to doctor's appointments. Uh, because my vision when I got out of the hospital was uh, 2,800. I was legally blind because my corneas had become ulcerated. My goodness. And um, I. Uh, that poison. Uh, yes. Went, it sounded like. Wow. And, yes. Uh, yeah. You, know, you see, very similar to what, you know, organs shut down and unexplainable. It's incredible. Uh, pain and. Wow. And one other thing, David, I'm just going to mention quickly is uh, this has given me a new appreciation for people who are shut in and can't take care of themselves. Uh, there's a special place in prayer. Uh, that I say uh, on a regular basis because uh, that's it's a it's a tough place to be 
and people don't realize it. And that's one area where Catholic community radio fills the gap that we're able to be church for people who can't get to church. You know, you, you say that, but it means a lot just to have that companionship with people. And I think this radio station fills that for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, people can find a radio station like this. It does create a family. When my mom died uh, in November, I was talking earlier, and you and David both sent me uh, notes you know, from the family of Catholic community. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife, it, you didn't even realize it, how yeah. much of an impact it meant. Wow. So, you know, you're part of our family now. Yes. And it was just uh, very, very comforting. Uh, just a word to be included into a group and I hope all of the people that listen to Catholic Community Radio I know they do because I've been a <laughs> listener for so long yeah. it really helped uh, accelerate my faith yeah I really feel like that uh, all of my years of uh, broadcast experience happened the way it did to make me ready to be here at Catholic Community Radio now over 10 years yeah I don't uh as we said the rosary with the crew this morning, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you guys realize how many people you touch. You do. You do realize. But uh, from people who are lonely to people who are just family guys like yeah. me in the car going to work, and I was going to Hammond every day, and uh, there I was on 690 <laughs> uh, and sometimes uh, online and getting to hear the likes of uh, – uh, Father John Ricardo. Oh, yeah. Life-changing stuff. Absolutely right. I wouldn't be yeah. sitting here talking uh, to you, broadcasting, if not uh, hadn't just started listening and developing and getting deeper into the faith. Amen. Yeah, you really uh, you do a lot. And again, this is David Anderson, host of Cross Training uh, on Catholic Community Media, and we have one of the guys who... Um, one of the intricate heart valves of the whole station, <laughs> making the blood flow uh, through and keeping everybody on the air. And there are many people that do that, but Jeff is, uh, I'm sure they felt your, your absence here quite a bit. Yes, and thank God for this radio family that you mentioned. Because uh, David, basically what would happen was Diane would leave the hospital at night. First thing she would do would call David give him uh, an update on what the doctors had said he would come on the air the next morning this is what we got to pray for jeff has got this issue this is happening and so i've had I've, so many people that i've met since you know i got out of the hospital and got back to work and said i've been praying for you and like thanks be to god amen well let's end it right there okay and as our signature uh sign off has been uh praying to mary let's do it hail mary full, full of grace, grace the lord, lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray, pray for us sinners now, now and at the hour of our death amen amen cross training with david anderson is a production of catholic community media